Hello, Heron. <laughs> Hi, Tom. So, for a variety of factors we weren't able to record on a regular weeknight, but I'm going to try an experiment here. Can we do Stone Ape in a short format just before the recording of Bottle Rail Radio? Because I have, um, you know, a few topics that I wanted to discuss, and I thought if we let it lag for an additional week, we'd just, I'd lose momentum and I'd lose perspective, and I always like talking to you anyway, Heron. Yeah, so okay. This yeah. is a, a shorter form Stone Ape, but just a means of, of discussing a couple of topics that I wanted to chat with you about. Okay, fair enough. So the first one is, and I don't necessarily want to delve into this too much, but there was a piece of listener feedback associated with the fact that you're in my discussion, I mean, if listened to in isolation, could be perceived as having a slight element of sexism. As oh, yeah, I wanted to talk about that, too. <laughs> so my view is that, yes, if you take isolated sound bites, you may have that perspective. But if you listen to the Stone Ape archive in context you'll probably get a sense that neither of us were, you know, when we do joke about this, it is truly in the terms of, uh, well, I want to say hi, but it really it's lowbrow, you know, jest components. What, what were your thoughts associated with this particular assertion? Well, this is, you're talking about the, the thing you got from VH, yes. right? Yeah. Well, I was just, the thing that got me about it is that she apparently, or apparently I didn't state my position very clearly because because she completely misinterpreted <laughs> Uh, what I thought I was saying, yes. and I and I wanted to clarify it in case she's she's listening. Um, my remark: she was talking about my remark about how women just want to talk about stuff that's too real. Those are uh, yeah. Her, which her, uh, again, yeah. anyway, you continue. Well, t- the thing is, is that my remark was one of admiration, not criticism. <laughs> It wasn't criticizing them at all. Men seem to be only capable of talking about sports and business and politics, but never anything about their real emotional lives. Certainly, and uh, and I've always admired the intimacy uh, that women have in their relationships, their ability to talk about shit that I would be very uncomfortable talking about. Oh man, and and. Um, and so I, I, you know, I say my remark was one of admiration, not criticism. But apparently, uh, VH took it as some sort of criticism of women, and I, and I perhaps I just didn't state it quite as clearly as I just did. But I wanted to clear that up. So, yeah. I mean, my concern in talking to this is it's very difficult to address accusations like this without being defensive. And my perspective is that, and I went back actually and listened to Stone Ape 110, where we talked for an extended period of time associated with kind of warrior women, which I think is actually where we kind of discussed this. Maybe we talked about in the, the one following as well. And I responded very directly uh, to to the listener and gave some background history, which no doubt a listener to Stone Ape would hear in, if they went back through the back catalogue. Yeah. To give a clear indication. And I think, you know, there's certain jovialities that we go through when we record Stone Ape. But another point that I wanted to make, which actually goes back to some of the stuff that I've been doing independent of recording Stone Ape recently, is to talk a little bit about video bloggers and the demographics of video bloggers. Because we were talking in jest that uh, if we were to start a, a video YouTube discussion and translate some of what we do with Stone Ape into video, that, um, you know, ideally we would have a 
a woman who would be a participant. And I think what was missed in that discussion is a majority, a vast majority of video bloggers are actually women. Really? And, yeah, no, it's fascinating. There's about, depending on what areas you look in, there's typically, uh, you know, a a four to one, in some cases, even a nine to one ratio through specific demographics. The video blogging space, particularly the successful video blogging space, has uh, been dominated by women. And what I found interesting, actually, I've subscribed to about 200 different video bloggers on YouTube with the view that there will be maybe a dozen or so of those that are, you know, interested in the kind of stuff that we discuss. And funnily enough, uh, Victoria Vivas and her husband record a video podcast, uh, and through just through the week, they published an episode on The Matrix, which I thought, I listened to a good portion of it, and I thought there were a few missteps that we could probably clarify. So I reached out to Victoria Vivas' husband initially, associated with, are they interested in actively discussing the Matrix, particularly associated with utilizing, you know, utilizing the digital space. And, and who also- is this? Is, is this the Kundalini woman? Yes. Okay. Right. Previously mentioned as the Kundalini woman. Now, in parallel to this as well, I went back and looked at a lot of her, because, I mean, I, t- to be frank, I was seriously considering the potential from what she is doing in San Diego of the potential of, you know, not necessarily collaboration, but at least a, a once-off project to have this kind of discussion. Yeah. And in doing that investigation, I found, you know, three years ago, she was doing fight videos, and then she kind of moved into who she is now, basically. That this yeah. has been some progression. And she's from, got a new show from martial arts <laughs> yeah. to to what she's doing currently. In fact, her husband teaches martial arts. Uh huh. So this is an interesting space in and of itself. But I think within the kind of fortuitousness of this Matrix video podcast coming out, particularly because you and I have wrapped on the Matrix for at least four years now, although it has its own uh, yeah. idiomatic meaning in both yeah. of our discussions, yeah. was there was some potential there. There are other video bloggers, a majority of whom are women, uh, who I've been following, uh, that I think could have potential engaging with what we do in Stone Ape. And I wanted to make it perfectly clear, although we joke about it, that this space is owned by women currently. And yeah. I think they've defined the space very well in part through some of the things that you said associated with actually addressing what you describe as kind of emotional elements, real elements, uh, but also a form that they feel comfortable with. And uh, certainly, I'm cutting it down. There's, a, Funnily enough, a number of them are in Southern California, uh, but there's another woman video blogger in Southern California who I think is potentially, you know, could be one for the mix. And like I said, I've been watching a lot of them are in their own particular niches. I've been spending probably between half an hour to an hour, maybe every day, every other day, just looking at what's out there. My initial surveying, like I said, was rather deep, but it also indicated to me that this is a space that is basically owned by this demographic. That's surprising. So, yes, very interesting in that context. But I wanted to put it out to the Stone App listenership that this wasn't just kind of idle joking banter that there was actually some substance behind it not that i had previously talked about in stone Eight, but certainly based on the correspondence that we received i wanted to address that very specifically and i did back to uh the author of this email 
Well, Wayne, before mm-hmm. we go on, so, I, I wanted to address one uh, another thing, mm-hmm. not specifically about that, but just about the way communications are coming in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, you, you sent me, uh, you've sent me a couple of things the past week, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm tr- trying to figure out why is it that people don't have access to my email? Why is it that they only can access you? I think I'm faster to find. I mean, your email is on the Gendo website. I'm pretty sure that that's the case. Yeah, isn't it on the Stone Age? I mean, these people are getting you. Yeah, how are they getting a hold of you? I think um, in I think it's the fast. I'm the faster Google response associated with an email address. Ah, So we don't have anything out there that says in order if you want to respond, here are some email addresses that you can use to. To respond. The current funnel that we're pointing towards is the Stone Ape Facebook group. Okay. And that has been relatively good in collecting people who are already on Facebook and already communicative through Facebook. Yeah. You, I suspect, I'm not sure, I mean, you have a number of, well, maybe not a number, but you have a few listeners and you've historically had a few listeners that have only corresponded with you. And many of those people, through the way that you communicate with them, have remained relatively anonymous as well. Yeah. Well, like I said, I, I just it sounded like they were having trouble getting a hold of me, and and it was I was just trying to figure out a way that that I can get the communications that are you know without you having to forward them to me. I don't mind that as long as I get them. Yeah. But uh, I'm just thinking if there's some some way that they're finding you, then well, I mean, they I, should also be able to find me. Certainly. <laughs> and I think a number of listeners have found you. They've just found you, I mean, in terms of the listeners actually friending you on Facebook and communicating through Facebook, yeah. you probably have a higher ratio of listeners, maybe through my general anti-Facebook friending banter. But I think listeners are finding us both. And I certainly don't have any problem, as I've done this week, providing you with yeah. correspondence that's, you know... Yeah, that's relevant to, to me. Oh, yeah. specifically, can you yeah. forward this on to Heron? And then yeah. I guess well, that's it. obvious. Yeah. But I mean, it's just if it's a general comment on the on the Stone A podcast, yeah. if it's addressed to you, I'd still like to see that. Certainly. You know? And my perspective is, I mean, it's associated with the sexism email, my perspective was I dealt with it very rapidly. I didn't really want to, because again, I didn't want it to be a defensive thing. I wanted it to be something that potentially we could discuss on a show. But also I thought the nuances were actually quite, uh, you know, it just, it didn't seem like anything that would would work outside of talking about it. I did forward you the email, you know, after you requested it. Yeah, I got it. That's, yeah, that's the thing is I, I just would like to make sure that I know um, who's listening and what they're cons- you know I'd like to be in touch with certainly, our listeners certainly. so I'd like to get whatever is addressed to us certainly. that's all and similarly I mean when you've had confidential discussions with people that's related to the podcast I actually take a different perspective uh-huh. my feeling is that if people are more comfortable talking with you associated with things and you typically raise these issues with me uh-huh. I don't have any concern with people communicating with you with the view that they will be anonymous to me i mean you certainly no i I don't mind that no 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 i agree completely if people want to talk with you Mm -hmm. and they don't want to deal with me then that's fine (laughs) i understand that but uh, you know like i say in in cases where it could you know where that isn't the case then then um you know i i I just want to know what people are saying and what their concerns are it's it's interesting to me so so that's all yeah and if someone has a comment addressed to you that doesn't really have much to do with me then i don't need to see that that's yeah but similarly i mean a number of people have made comments to you specifically about me 
that has been anonymized through our interaction. Yeah. And my perspective with regards to that stuff is, honestly, I don't have any concerns with that. So if people yeah. if people want to stop listening to Stone Ape and correspond with you primarily to explain why I've stopped them from listening to Stone yeah. Ape, which is the way it's been handled historically, um, then, yeah, I don't have any problems with that. Because, I mean, my perspective is people that stop listening to Stone Ape, for whatever reason, no longer really are part of my yeah. general remit. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I feel the same way. You know, if, yeah. if, if, if yeah, you know, if people want to talk with you, that's fine i don't care <laughs> you know i'm just interested in like i say both the things you've sent to me recently mm. i found very useful and interesting mm. and i wish they had come to me directly yeah uh you know right from the beginning well, i mean know? i think yeah a lot of the stuff a lot of the stuff i don't mind acting as your forwarder either so if folks, all right if i right. find my email address and want to get in contact with her i also think yeah. you've, you've said previously that you don't typically use email as a primary means of correspondence, and I think well, no, but people, I, no, yeah. oh, okay, ah, I see, okay, yeah. So that's I think true. it might be in context, but I still yeah. do check it once a day. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's not. I don't live. The for other it. thing is that if people do email me to get in contact with you, yeah, rest assured, I will get Heron the oh, message as quickly that. as yeah. possible. Yeah, yeah I understand. And moreover, I, probably you're more likely to see it potentially than if it goes. To your email, perhaps. Well, well, yeah. maybe, maybe not. Yeah, yes. and 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 plus, I've made quite clear that uh, I've given my Skype address, and certainly. I'm certainly open to anybody contact yeah. me on Skype anytime. You and know? you do have a variety of listeners that communicate with you primarily through Skype, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, most of my communications are through Skype. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't. I like I say, I I look at my email once, maybe twice a day. Mm-hmm. Well, more often recently because I've been in communication with that VPN mm-hmm. uh, support. You know. But um, yeah, I, I just don't like email. But but I do check it, and you know, so people can write me there or or uh, message me on Skype or on Facebook or you know, there's plenty of ways. And I, I think we've beat this into the ground. I just Literally. yeah. So moving on. Okay, I was uh, waking up. I think maybe Wednesday morning, and I received a message from a former coworker in the UK. When I was in the UK, I primarily worked for one company. I worked for Ericsson initially, but then most of my time in the UK was working for another company. And through working with that company, I've already talked about the fellow who committed suicide. But I heard through the week that one of the co-workers that I worked with very closely had been convicted of pedophilia. Yeah. Associated yeah. with his own daughter. And um, it struck me... The, the thing that caught me initially aside from the horrendousness of the crime, was the fact that this fellow who, for all intents and purposes, aside from the pedophilia, was a kind of high intellectual, kind of the kind of guy that I could rap with very easily on a variety of different (laughs) topics, that he would now be a pedophile in prison for five years, four months. Yeah. And it struck me more... Now, we want to interview him on the podcast. Well, I was thinking about this, actually, oh. because my initial response was because I had a lot of time for the guy. And we spent a lot of time together. We talked about a variety of topics. I gave him some stuff when we left the UK. We were in periodic correspondence. Yeah. I, he, he talked to me very frankly associated with his job. I tried to give him assistance getting a job over here. I did a variety of things, and the thing that struck me through the court, well, what the what was discussed at least at his trial, was that he was suffering severe depression, which I realised in my correspondence with him. There's absolutely no excuse for what occurred, 
Um, well, but there's I, no excuse, but people people are fucking unconscious language monkeys. Yes. You know, they do yeah. all – I mean, listen, I don't know about you, but I can certainly attest to the crazy fucking things that have run through my mind over my lifetime. Well, yes. You know, and I haven't acted on many of them, but I have – I've crossed the line a couple times in, into behavior that, that – probably would be certainly would be frowned upon and bordered on illegal but not, i mean nothing like molesting children but yes. but you know uh i have a certain amount of sympathy for people who um who do terrible things just because i realize that you know, there but for the grace of bob <laughs> as they say yes. you know so uh, that's why I think it'd be interesting to talk to someone like that, yeah. you know, who, who's got busted because uh, he gave in to the the one of the voices that he probably shouldn't have given in to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing through the trial was that none of what was said associated with it was particularly coherent. Yeah, well, there isn't anything coherent about it. Mm. You know, I don't. Well, I'm looking for a, a, an answer or coherence in that kind of behavior. <laughs> I think is sort of pointless. You know, well, it was said by both the prosecution and the defense, which I found particularly curious that he got no sexual gratification out of the series of incidents, which uh-huh. I found very. I mean, the interesting thing about the UK is it's a very different judicial. When it gets down to the nuts and bolts, it's a very yeah. different judicial system than the US and. Just by doing the math, and it appeared clear that it was his daughter who, you know, had this yeah. horrible stuff done to her. But, yeah, the, th- the shock reaction for me was just to think about what an experience for someone like this, what prison would be like. Basically, yeah, yeah. because this that's a bad place for, especially for an intellectual, (laughs) for child molesting into a prison. He's in the general population. He's in serious trouble. Yes, and the the thing that caught me was historically, I've known a number of people that have molested children, probably disproportionately large number, and. You know, we may all have known them, but we just don't know. Yes. You know, I suspect well, that, that, that that's, uh, that, again, I think people lead very secret lives. Clearly, clearly. But in my own perspective, I've never known, I'm just casting my mind back. He's the first, he's not of my generation, he's roughly eight years older than I am. So I wouldn't think of him as my generation, but still he was a peer Jeez, what am I, your grandfather's generation? Oh, you're my parents' generation, Eric. We've talked about this previously. We've acknowledged that. I'm comfortable with that. We'll move on. Okay. So you threw this, and in parallel to this, I received an email by chance from a fellow who I've talked about historically who was a prisoner of war um, in Vietnam, who initially said he couldn't talk about it, but now has come back to me and said, we can discuss this as friends. And I I thought through... The trauma that I've experienced associated with hearing about this fellow getting, you know, his prison term or what have you, I've started thinking about whether emotionally I want to, I mean, on many levels, particularly associated with contemporary PTSD, I think I could learn a lot from talking with this fellow who was a a prisoner of war. Yeah. But at the same point, I've also realised that although I, I play a role on Stone Ape, maybe I don't even play a role on Stone Ape, that the psychological nuances of getting exposed to this kind of stuff does affect me 
more than it probably should. I mean, I think I mean, we're is, exposed to this stuff. Um, uh, any kind, of, well, a, a detailed discussion of traumatic experiences, particularly okay. traumatic experiences of people that I have a degree of sympathy with or mm. have a particular view of. Okay, and, and I'm, I'm not clear what you're saying, though. You're saying you think this could be problematic for you oh, uh, to com- engage in these conversations? Well, or- I think in, in the short term, it would create a kind of psychological baggage that I actually have to acknowledge. I have to personally acknowledge... The baggage that- for what? I, I don't know. I mean, you're saying, like, talking with... The child molester or the guy who was, you know, Mm -hmm. two people who have experienced things. So you're suggesting that if you were to have a conversation with them about these traumatic experiences, it would have some sort of negative impact on you? Yeah, I would find it traumatic. Oh, really? Okay. Because I guess my perspective, and in large part it's to do with the audio narrative various interview styles, the way that I like to kind of cut away and get deeper analysis yeah. is actually, and I found this talking with the Prisoner of War fellow previously, I have to appreciate that this is this is someone's narrative. This is someone's psychology. Yeah, it's their in, story. <laughs> in engaging with them, particularly when I want to try and understand various elements, yeah. uh, I am subject to not only their raw emotions, but also through decompressing these things through disassembling these things. And I found this actually live as I was presenting the Murder Crimes Noble Ape analysis talk. I realised that I'm actually dealing with psychologies and an analysis of these psychologies that does have, although I try to say, you know, I can stay at arm's length from this, it still has an impact and it's not my profession. You mm-hmm. know, I think yeah. if I was professionally, clinically part of this kind of psychological analysis, then I would probably have various coping strategies. If one thing, when you're paid money, you behave very differently than when you're not paid money. However, that being said, and I've actually, I talked to my wife about this because the UK has very strict laws associated with communicating with prisoners, but I did actually investigate it associated with talking to my former co-worker. Yeah. Because I do, I agree with you. It wouldn't be an audio correspondence, it would be paper correspondence for an extended period of time if I were Mm. to engage with that. Yeah, right. But I think it also might address, I mean, when I... I don't think that would be very fruitful. I mean, maybe it would, but, Mm. but I find, again, voice communication is far more real. When people are writing... Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they've got time to nuance it and, yeah. and hide, all, you know, say the things they, you know, appear the way they'd like to appear. But you can do that. Yeah, you can do that over a period of time. But my perspective, you're right. The audio communication is far more direct and you can probably yeah. cut to the chase. Yeah. But I've engaged in extended written correspondence with people over time that has, mm-hmm. has broken. That could be, yeah, if you know, yeah, if you yeah. know how to do that, yeah, yeah. that could be very good. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But the nature of what I do, I mean, for example, let's, let me lay this out for the Stonet listenership. The discussion that we've had associated with PTSD, you and I, historically, maybe two odd years ago, associated with using Gendo to treat PTSD, can be summarised as follows. The folks who are coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan currently have a story associated with what they were doing, why they were there, and why it was important for them to be there, which is partially, unlike the case with the Vietnam conflict, which is partially also supported by the media, 
the general popular narrative, the fact that, you know, thank you for serving our country, all this kind of stuff, which actually the acts that they had to do, in particular in large civilian populations, which incurred vast quantities of civilian death through accident and in some cases probably slightly more than accident, means that when they return here, the what they saw, what they experienced, is in stark contrast to the narrative that they were given when they went there, the narrative that they were given while they were there, and in particular the narrative that they've been given when they come back. And this interests me particularly with this fellow yeah. who I will be talking with because he has none of that facade. And I actually think that the way in which he approaches the trauma that he experienced relates very strongly to the fact that he's discarded a wide variety of narratives, which has enabled him actually to deal in a more primary sense with the trauma. And I think a lot of what is coming back in PTSD now, which isn't a modern phenomenon, I mean, it's existed through all the wars, but in particular currently, because we have this kind of hyper-militarism narrative, which is very much accepted now and kind of the media and all these other aspects, that it actually creates an additional form of trauma, which has not been properly analysed or deconstructed because the way trauma is treated, even when you look at, um, you know, VR facilities that are treating PTSD in terms of smell and these kind of things, I don't see an analysis associated with language through any of this. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the summary of... And I'm also interested from a historical perspective, I'm also interested in the wide variety of other contexts, particularly associated with Vietnam conflict. But at the same point, I think it will have an emotional impact on me in a way where I, for, you know, the last few days, particularly when I'm outside, when I'm looking at the sky, I was pulling in the trash on Thursday morning, I just thought, I'm not in prison. Like, there's a whole lot of shit I have to do, but I actually, on some level, have a choice about that, and I'm not in prison. So I need to take, and I need to embody this whole (laughs) psychological fear of prison, which is the last vestigial remains of my time in Australia, and begin to start analysing you know, these things in a way where... But it still it still had an element of trauma on me. It still affected me in some way. Mm. And, yeah, that is the only point of, of kind of, you know, tentative concern that yeah, I have with this. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah, and it's funny. I've talked to a lot of people over the years, you know, who are in all sorts of bizarre situations, yeah. from crazy as hell to, yeah. you know, enlightened. And none of it... Well, I mean, I'm moved by their stories mm. sometimes, but it, it, I don't know. It doesn't seem to have any impact on on the sort of core of me somehow. Mm. Uh, so it's a little hard for me to relate to this. Uh, I think the distinction here is with people that I would want to... Uh, this former co-worker, for example, yeah. I have a great degree of empathy with from yeah. the time that I worked with him. And I always, I'm probably slightly more akin to look for kindred spirits, even when really I'm grasping at straws, just so I can feel some degree of kinship. And in a work environment, as we've discussed historically, you know, there are all these kind of other dynamics. Yeah. The, yeah, it's just something that I have to be, I'm now slightly more mindful of than I may have been maybe three or four weeks ago, uh, based on this, you know, past few day interaction. But these are the two topics that I wanted to discover, just or discuss, just because they had a temporal uh, nature to yeah. them. I don't know what I'm going to be saying in a week's time associated with this. Well, we will find out. We will, Heron. So this has been an experiment associated with a short uh, Stonehead recording. I've got model rail radio to record now. 
But yeah, hopefully everything will be back to normal and we'll be able to record a normal Stone Ape in uh, next Friday. Yeah, yeah, it's everything seems to be working fine now. Very good. My end. So okay, I'll talk to you soon, Harry. Take care. Okay, bye bye.